Hi, I'm Michael Primrose and this is the Property Finance Podcast. If you have an interest in growing your property portfolio, have experience in development, or you're just looking at starting out, then this could be the podcast for you. We talk all things property finance, we look at products, strategy, and more. So keep listening and check out some of our other episodes to make sure that you're up to date with all things property finance. Hi, and welcome to The Importance of Controlling Finance, a three-part series covering excerpts from Michael Primrose's presentation at the Equa Academy Property Developers and Investors webinar on September the 15th. Part one looks at finding the right lender, while parts two and three will cover managing the cash and what to do when it all goes wrong. We apologise for any reduction in volume or sound quality as a result of the webinar recording. We hope it doesn't affect your enjoyment of the podcast. Let's talk about what to do when it all goes wrong. So this is talking about managing your cash flow when everything goes wrong. So the first thing that you want to do before anything goes wrong is you want to make sure that you've built in a good contingency. So that's both a contingency of build costs and also a, a contingency in terms of time. So if you think a project is going to take you 12 months to both build it and sell it, take 15 months on the development loan. If you think it's going to take you 15 months, take 18 months. Always build in a couple of months of contingency because as we all saw 18 months ago, COVID came out of nowhere and just completely decimated everything. Nobody had a contingency built in for it because nobody knew it was going to happen. However, if you build a contingency in for worst case, at least then you're prepared to a certain degree. So always make sure that you've got kind of an extra three months is what I would say on any development facility. In terms of build costs uh, with regards to the contingency, if you don't build one in, chances are the lender will build one in. So if when you're working with your QS, uh, and I think Jake is on either after me or, or after Mark, um, Jake is on later anyway, um, as kind of the, the QS side of things, Jake will no doubt talk about contingencies and how QS is adding contingencies. And one of the things is if you don't put your contingency in, the lender will do it anyway. So I kind of wouldn't worry too much about the contingency on build costs because it should be in there anyway. Um, and normally it's a 10% contingency that gets added in. So if you think it's going to cost you a million pounds to build out a project, chances are the lender will lend you 1.1 million. So the reason they do that is because, again, if anything goes wrong, if you're doing a new build development and you dig into the ground and all of a sudden you find, let's think, uh, what could you find? Let's say you find an old viking ship or something something ridiculous you dig in and anyway there's a you dig in and you find something which is going to cost you a lot of money to fix it's not necessarily included within the development costs so that contingency is there to cover something which nobody has anticipated the other thing is to communicate when things go wrong communicate with everyone so the worst thing that we ever see on any development project is people burying their heads in the sand, trying to deal with it themselves or just trying not to deal with it at all. And it's so, so difficult to solve anything if the developer stops talking. If the developer disappears, the project may as well just crumble because nothing's gonna happen. So make sure that you're speaking to your lender, make sure you're speaking to your broker. It does, Don't worry about the embarrassment factor. Nobody is judging you if something goes wrong things just go wrong in developments. It's just the natural life cycle of a development. Something is bound to go wrong. 
if nothing went wrong on developments, everyone would do it. So in terms of that, don't be embarrassed about anything. Don't worry about speaking to the lender. Don't worry about speaking to the broker. Nobody's going to think any less of you as a developer if something goes wrong. They'll just think it's developments. It's just what happens. So communicate with everyone. And it's nine times out of 10, again, the lender will work with you in order to solve the problem. Because again, it's not in the lender's interest to repossess a project. It just doesn't work. There's just so much cost associated with repossessing a project that it makes it unviable for them to take it over. And don't worry about personal, well, obviously worry about personal guarantees, but don't worry about personal guarantees being called in if things start to go a little bit wrong. Again, that's what people do. They panic, oh, well, what about my house? What about this? What about that? What about that? If you panic and if you bury your head in the sand, it's more likely that your personal guarantees and the security will be called in than if you don't bury your head in the sand and you communicate with everyone. Because if you communicate, chances are they'll work with you rather than against you. In terms of exits, this one again is, is really important, is make sure you've got multiple exits lined up on any project that you're dealing with. So whether it be development exit, buy to let mortgages, whether it's your sale, they're your three main exits. One that's getting quite a bit of traction at the minute is uh, these kind of guaranteed sales companies. So these are companies that are just buying up blocks of flats, blocks of houses, whatever it may be, uh, and then either putting them onto large rentals or into pensions or whatever they may be doing. But they're, they're there to give you a guaranteed sale kind of at the start of a project. Now, the only downside with the guaranteed sales is that normally, again, nine times out of 10, you're going to be getting 10 to 20% less than the market value of what those properties are actually worth. So again, keep in mind that if you want to go down that route, you're going to lose money. So that really is like your fire sale option that if something has gone really wrong or the project is overrun or you're just getting to a point where you need to break even, that's potentially an option uh, of a way of getting out so that you can kind of break even and, and walk away from the project and not have your personal guarantee called in, not have the charge over a house called in or, or something like that. So it's just a way of avoiding that security being called in. Last point that I'll make, and then we'll, we'll jump into a bit of Q&A, is make sure that you utilize your QS if things start to go wrong. Because again, they're, they're being paid a monthly retainer to work with you on that project. So if things start to go wrong, they are your first point of contact because depending on how you've sort of brought the QS, whether it's your own QS or whether it's the lender's QS, you may have brought them on to, to assist with buying. You may have brought them on to assist with whatever you may have brought them on, managing something. The first thing that they might be able to do is bring costs down. So they might be able to say, well, look, if you bulk buy this, 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 and this, yes, okay, it's a large cash outlay now, but it will bring the cost of the overall project down. Or they might say, right, well, I'll work with the project manager. I'll work with the contractor. We'll get this sorted. We'll get this sorted. We'll get this sorted. There's lots of different things that your QS can do for you as well. And on the same side, I'd also recommend speaking to the project manager as well, because they're the ones who are on boots on the ground every single day. You as a developer may visit the site once a week, once a month, once every three months. Depends how you want to operate your development site uh, and depends how you've brought your contractor on as well. But what you might find is that it may be easier to deal with the project manager because they'll be there, boots on the ground every day, working to try and push everything through as quickly as possible. So they're going to be the ones that probably are going to be 
uh, the easiest ones to speak to in terms of, well, can we bring any cost down? Can we speed anything up? Can we do anything better? Can we utilize anything better? Can we do anything to, to get this back on track? So that's, that's kind of the main points about what to do uh, when everything goes wrong. I just stress again, the communication side is the most important bit out of all of that. So if anything starts to go wrong, just make sure that you're communicating. Thank you.